and very welcome to our service this morning. Um, it's lovely to see the sunshine this morning, even though it's a bit cold. But uh, any visitors here, you're very welcome uh, to our service this morning, and anyone online that's watching, also very welcome uh, to join us. I have a couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, we, we're setting up this afternoon for prayer space has taken place in this building during the week, Monday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, and we're setting up from three o'clock. It might take us a couple of hours, so if anyone can help, even for a short time this afternoon, even if you're not going to be involved in prayer space, if you're able to come, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, please pray for us throughout this week. If, if you're not just sure what that is, it's, uh, we're having 529 children coming through our doors and we'll have different stations or activities going on, all to do with prayer, to encourage children about different types of prayer, and all with a Christmas theme. So we're doing that uh, during the week, and we just appreciate your prayers for that very much. Uh, also, Christmas reflections. I know that uh, I'm nearly here a year, but I wasn't here this, this time last year, but I've been told that on a particular evening that uh, is set aside for folk to come in and just be quiet, and just uh, reflect on Christmas and prepare their hearts for Christmas. So uh, the stations that we do with the children, the activities that we do with the children this week, we're keeping them up, and hopefully you'll be inspired as you come in and have a wee look at those, uh, that, that something will, will trigger in your mind uh, some nice positive thoughts about Christmas and about Christ our Saviour. So that'll be, it's gonna be on Thursday night, Thursday night, and the doors will be open from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. You can come for as little time or as long as you want. Okay. I'd like to thank everyone who's helped and, and participated in the Christmas tree uh, festival. Um, there was so much work, hard work done over these past weeks and even months in preparation. And uh, we, just, we just have to be patient to see how God uh, can use it and have an impact on our community. Um, and I do feel I need to mention one particular person who's worked extremely hard for months. Um, her preparation has been undying and just faithful and, uh, and always with a wee warm smile on her face. And it's Muriel. So we just... <laughs> we just appreciate so much what Muriel um, has done over these past weeks and months. Next weekend, of course, we have our Christmas carol service uh, in the evening at half past seven, when the moderator of the Presbyterian Church will be here to share the service with us. And we'll have a little choir as well. We're gonna have a choir of 14 people uh, put together for that. Um, that'll be, as I say, half past seven, and there'll be light refreshments afterwards. So those are all the announcements. Let me just open our service uh, with Luke chapter 14, verse 23. And Jesus speaking to the folk, he said, Then the master told the servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. Go out and bring them in. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had. 
although some are very tired now over from the weekend and all the activities and the hypothermia. And Father, we just thank you that uh, the connections that we made, uh, we pray, God, that it might be an inspiration for our time ahead, for our future. And Lord, we just want to thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he went through for us. We thank you for his incarnation, for coming to earth and living as we lived and, uh, and dying, Lord, in a way that was horrendous, but was for our sakes. We thank you for that. And we just pray that everything that we do and say in the service may be glorifying to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing the first Noel. And I will light the Advent uh, candles.
like to read it now from John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hey, boys and girls, if you want to come up to the front, you can. Or if, you want to, if you're more comfortable sitting where you are, that's okay too. Um, good, you're coming up. You want to have a wee seat there? Good. Yes, because we're going to watch your video very, very soon that you've spent a long time making this incredible video. So, um, but, but what I want to do is, because we have so many Christmas trees, I want to tell you the, the story that the Christmas tree tells us, okay? Now, the first slide I have up is, uh, it's coming up now, let's go. Yes, ancient times, ancient times, way before Christ came to earth. Um, the people, especially the Egyptians, believed that, that the sun was a god. They believed that the sun was a god and that winter, when we had very dark nights coming very early, like about four o'clock now, it gets very dark. They believed that the, god, the sun god actually was getting ill. So all the winter nights were very dark and cold was because the sun was ill. So what they used to do, they used to bring evergreen trees, evergreen plants, lots of things around out on the December the 21st, because that's the winter solstice. And that's when the earth is furthest away, tilts furthest away from the sun. That's why you get the darkness. But on that day, they brought all these trees out, all these evergreen things out, because they wanted to remind the sun god that although he feels ill now, he wanted to remind them of the spring is coming. The green plants are coming. The flowers are coming. And that's why they brought all those evergreen things out. So, but whenever Christ was born and the church sort of grew, Christian people wanted to tell the story of Jesus through the Christmas tree. So that's what I want to do today, because we have so many Christmas trees up around us. Let's go. Hold on. Here we go. No, hold on. There we go. 
She'd go now. Yeah. The Christmas tree story. There were two journeys. There's two journeys that the Christmas tree story tells us about. The first journey is about Bethlehem, about God coming down to earth and then going from Nazareth to Bethlehem and being born in Bethlehem. And the second journey that the Christmas tree tells us about is Calvary, the journey to the cross. But we're going to start, first of all, with the Christmas tree story. Now, have a look at this. Tell me this. Anybody good at maths? Yes, Jackson, good. You're good at maths. Tell me this. What shape is every Christmas tree? Hey! <laughs> triangle. Well done, you at the back. It's a triangle, okay? And what the, tr the, the Christmas tree is meant to represent, the Christians have put on this understanding that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there are three corners, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that makes up the Trinity. The, the Trinity is simply, tri means three, and unity means togetherness. So the Father and the Son and the Spirit work together. And the Father sent the Son to earth, and that's what we're celebrating in Christmas. And then when Jesus went back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us and to work through us to other people. Okay, so that's, that's, the, that's the, the shape of the Christmas tree represents Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, this guy doesn't look too happy, sure he doesn't, but he, he was a great reformer. Martin Luther was a great reformer. And simply what that means, the church went through a very, very dark period in its history, very, very dark. And Martin Luther started to study the book of Romans, which is a Paul wrote the book of Romans in the New Testament, and he found out that he could have a relationship with Jesus Christ, a fantastic, close relationship with him through faith. And you know what he did? Like he pro I, I don't know, if it had been me, I'd have been doing a dance, if I'd have found that out. And he felt this is such good news. This is what he started preaching, and he got into some trouble about it. But he thought to himself, you know, I've been in the dark for so, so long. Do you know what would be lovely? As Jesus is the light of the world, what we'll do is on our Christmas tree, we'll stick lights. Now, they didn't have fairy lights back then or LED lights. They had candles. So they stuck. He, he started to put candles on the tree, and that went widespread, first to America and throughout the world. Now, tinsel. Do you know what? When they started making, doing the Christmas tree, often it was the rich people were putting them up because what they used was little sheets of metal, wee tiny sheets of metal, but they were very expensive. And they used to hang these wee sheets of metal on the Christmas tree all over it because what it was meant to do was to reflect the light and make it real pretty. But as Christians, when God shines his light on us, we are meant to reflect his light and his love to other people. Now, because it was quite expensive to buy metal, somebody came up with the idea of doing it simpler and cheaper. And so they made tinsel, especially silver tinsel, because the silver tinsel is meant to reflect the lights on the Christmas tree and make it pretty, but also to reflect 
Jesus and his love to, to the world, okay? Now, also I've read that it's meant to remind us of the shepherds when they were sitting, looking after their sheep, and there were many, many stars. It's to remind us of what, their, what the night sky was like whenever the angels came and suddenly there was a hallelujah chorus throughout the, the sky and praising God. Okay, so that's tinsel. Now, as for baubles, I have no idea what they're for. <laughs> no idea what they're for. Okay, now, let me see. So, the second story I want that the Christmas tree tells us about, and you may wonder, how on earth does it tell about Jesus going to the cross uh, and dying for us? Well, let me see if I've got one here. See the wee candy canes? And we have one here. Wee candy canes. Red and white, usually. Okay, but the red and white are meant to represent the lashes that Jesus got on his back. You see, when he was arrested, the Romans took him out into this courtyard and they began to whip him on his back. And the candy cane is meant to represent the blood of Jesus on his back. And, you know, they believed back then that 40 lashes would kill a man. So they normally only give 39. It was close. It was close. And that's what it's to remind us of. But see, so many candy canes have got green in them. And the green, just like a green Christmas tree, is meant to represent life. It's meant to represent everlasting life. Because if you noticed in the autumn, who, who likes kicking the leaves? Do you like kicking the leaves, the brown? I love going around kicking the leaves and just feeling the freshness of the autumn. Do you, Daisy? Yes. I love it. Just going for a lovely walk in the forest. Yes. And kicking the leaves. Do you like doing that? Good man. So that's, that's what I like to do. But uh, it, if you notice, the trees die in the winter, don't they? They die in the autumn and the winter. But this tree doesn't, well, it's artificial, that's a <laughs> but, but real evergreens, don't you see? And that's why, what's what the green represents on this and on the tree, that whenever Jesus died on the cross for us, he died that we might live forever, that even whenever our bodies fail us, that we go to be straight in the presence of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? So that's the message, the two journeys. Now, I'll leave you with a wee story, a wee humorous story this morning. Whenever I was in Straban, I worked sometimes with a, a Church of Ireland minister called Mark Lennox, and I worked with a Methodist minister. And one year we sat down and we thought to ourselves, what can we do this Christmas that's really special? So we decided, what about having a roving Christmas carol service? So we got a wee brass band, and the idea was roving means to move about. So we got a wee brass band, and the brass band played a couple of pieces, and we read a couple of Bible passages. We moved from the Strabane Presbyterian Church up to the Methodist Church, and then up to the Church of Ireland Church, and we did the same there. It was and we walked together with everyone. So we're walking through the streets. Now, somebody came up with a bright idea. Let's have a Mary and Joseph. So we got a young couple to dress up as Mary and Joseph. 
And then I came up with the bright idea, what about getting a donkey? <laughs> a real live donkey. So we thought, this is great. And I knew a woman out the road, and she, she had, you could say it was a nursing home for donkeys. It was for old donkeys and donkeys that hadn't been well treated. And she said to me, you can have one of our donkeys. So she sent it along in this trailer for us, and everything was great. And we walked from the Straban Presbyterian Church, and we walked down onto the Derry Road. But for some reason, when we got to the courthouse, this donkey decided, I ain't going anywhere. <laughs> and it just went, I'm not going anywhere. And so, I don't know whether it had run in with the court before, but I wouldn't... <laughs> It would not pass the courthouse. And my, the Church of Ireland, my friend Mark Lennox, he was over there and he was no help because he was in kinks, crying with laughter as I was trying to... There was about three of us shoving from behind to try and get this donkey to move and the donkey would not move for love and money. So my respect for Joseph and Mary just went... To the, to the sky, because I thought, how do they walk for four days with a donkey? We can't even get ours down the dairy road. <laughs> you know, but do you know what? It was, it was funny. People won't forget that car service. But do you know what? We hear the Christmas story every Christmas about Jesus coming. We hear at Easter the Easter story about Jesus dying and what he went through. And many of us I just read out a passage, he who receives Jesus Christ and trusts him becomes a child of God. But there are many people and have heard the story all their lives, but they're like that donkey. I'm not moving. I'm not shifting. I'm not giving my life to Christ. I'm not budging one inch. And that's not really the way to go. Jesus has given us so much and wants to give us so much. And he says, anyone who receives me, I will make them children of mine. Isn't that wonderful? That's what Christmas is about. That's what the Christmas tree tells us about. Okay, so um, now we're going to have the video, which you've been working really hard to do. And uh, so... And thanks for all the teachers and all the boys and girls who've done it. Let's watch it. What is the Christmas story? Um, um I like Santa gives me many presents. Mary. Santa gives me presents. Mary. Presents. Santa. Presents? I don't know. I think we're getting a bit confused here, but I know the story, so I'll tell it. No, me, I know it better. Maybe I should tell it. There was this girl called Mary. She was engaged to a man called Joseph. They lived in a place called Navarus. And do you know something? One night an angel appeared to Mary and told her she was going to have a baby. She called him Jesus. Not only that, he was God's son. Mary was very shocked. The angel told her to not be afraid. 
that everything was going to be okay. The angel also spoke to Joseph on what was going to happen. It's my turn now. Well, the next thing you know, at that time the king wanted to know how many people he ruled. So Mary and Joseph have to go to a town called Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a very long way away. When they got to Bethlehem, they couldn't find anywhere to stay. All the inns, they're just like our hotels, were full and they had to stay in the stable. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Yuck! I think I'll finish this story. I'm sure you've all heard about the shepherds in the field looking after your sheep when an angel appeared to him. Well, one night, your shepherds were minding their own business while they looked after your sheep, making sure no wolves got in. They were just sitting by a fire when suddenly a great light shone on them in the sky and an angel stood in front of them and told them that Jesus had been born and they were to go to see him. So they got their things together and headed off to Bethlehem. Jesus had for there were wise men who had seen a bright star in the sky and this was a sign that a new king had been born. So they decided to follow it. eventually led them to a stable where they found Mary, Joseph and baby Jesus. So, no matter how we told it, the nativity stays the same. Our saviour born at Christmas went unto us he came, fulfilling scripture's promise that Isaiah told us so, that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Do you know who was born at Christmas? Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus.
Use your stars. You should get Oscars. Yeah, thank you so much, boys and girls, and the, all the teachers as well, for all the hard work that they've done. That's brilliant. We're going to sing now, just before Sunday Club and Bible class can go out, uh, we're going to sing um, Joy to the World. That's a children's version of it. It's on, on the screen. and girls can thank you so much and don't forget mums and dads when you see them afterwards and uh, grannies and grannies thank them okay when you see them thank them very much and if anybody needs to go to the crash it's just on my left out that store and into the left thank you Let's take time, we're going to pray for just what the connections that we've made over the last couple of days and what the connections we're going to make over the next week. Um, let's, let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for all of the connections that we've made over the weekend, the last few days. And Father, when we see the people coming in and... Uh, and, and even on, on Friday night, Lord, there's so many that, that came and just the harvest is truly plentiful. And we pray that you would inspire us and guide us and give us motivation and a desire to just connect again and again and again with, uh, with folk, Lord, that, that never have come to this church, never been in this church, but Lord, that we want to share Jesus with them. 
We thank you for the unity also that we felt just amongst us, Lord, the fun that we had and, and the sense of working together in unity, Lord, as a fellowship that we've had over these days. We thank you for that. We thank, pray that that would continue. We thank you, Lord, for the work which you've started in people's hearts and unseen by us. And we pray that by your spirit, God, that you would follow up on what's been sown. And Father, we pray for this week. Uh, we pray for prayer space for the children and for the teachers who will come through our doors. We pray that you'd give us strength this week. Lead us by your spirit. Lord, give us all the resources and the help that we need uh, to do and to glorify, to say things that glorify you and to point people to Jesus. Help us this afternoon, Lord, as we create an attractive place for children where they could feel relaxed, where they could feel excited, where they could feel safe. And we recognize without you, we can do nothing. Father, we, we just pray that you would abide in us, that you would work in us as a team, that we would work well together. And Lord, that there'd be one desire to see children and teachers encouraged and blessed. Um, may what we do and prepare quietly, Lord, subtly point to your, your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm just going to, I'm going to read a little passage I found during the week um, on the internet. It's written by a man called Howard Thurman and sort of summed up really what we're, we're trying to do. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with the flocks, then the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal those broken in spirit, to feed the hungry, to release the oppressed, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among all peoples, to make a little music with the heart, and to radiate the light of Christ every day, in every way, in all that we do and in all that we say, then the work of Christmas begins. I'd like to, to read to you now from Luke's Gospel. If you have a Bible, please feel free to, to read along with me. It's Luke's Gospel 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favoured, and the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of the, his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The, answer, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be barren as, as in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Let's stand. We're going to sing, um, Be Still for the Presence of the Lord. Just allow our hearts uh, just to settle and our minds to settle and um, have a peace about reflecting on, on the things of God and, and of Christ this morning. Be still for the presence of the Lord. Father, we just want to invite you to come by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and to move in our hearts, move in our hearts from seat to seat. Lord, you know people's needs this morning. You know those that need encouragement, those who need peace, those who need comfort. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you would come and that they would forget everything else apart from what you want us to take home with us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, every, that passage I read, every year we read this passage and we love it and I love it and we sing away in a manger, no crib, 
for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. And it's cute, and it's lovely, and it's romantic. But very rarely do we think in real terms on the mixed bag of emotions which must have been going on inside this young girl, who was at this point potentially to be the mother of of the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God. She was at this point potentially to be mother of Jesus Christ. She's, she's told by Gabriel that she's going to bear a son. His name will be Jesus. He's to be the son of the highest, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And that's really exciting stuff. That's the tremendous stuff. That's the best stuff in Christmas. But the million-dollar question must be, how can this be since I do not know a man? I want you to catch a glimpse this morning of the upset, pleasant or not, it was an upset for Mary, and how this upset changed her life. In one minute, she's married the local teenage girl, and the next moment, she's married the mother of the Son of God. And that's quite a lot for a young girl to process in her head, in her mind. Her next thought in her mind is probably, now how long, how am I going to convince Joseph that I have done nothing wrong? How am I going to convince him? I'm sure she's aware that she had a big chance that she may lose the man she loved and was due to marry. In the 21st century today, society's a lot more accepting about having a child out of wedlock. But back then, as you can imagine, it was horrendous. And uh, once that little bump begins to show, uh, word about Mary's condition would be flying through the village and the countryside like wildfire. Did you hear about Mary? It's Joseph I feel sorry for. I always knew Mary was that type of girl. How could she show her face in the synagogue? And all of these types of questions and comments. And of course, you know, this is the potential of going much further than that, going much further than just gossip, because in religious tradition was that, that a girl who, who, who had a child out of wedlock could potentially be stoned to death. Now, each of us make judgments in our lives um, from, a, from human perspective. There are many experiences in life which cause us to ask questions. You know, the diagnosis of cancer, perhaps, the loss of a friend or a loved one, disappointments in life, stress, um, grief, pain. And we make judgments in life from a human perspective, we have a human perspective on all of that and asking such questions that are difficult questions. And no less for Mary here. She asks the question, how can this be that I do not know a man? How can that be? How can that happen? You know, I, I must admit that, that Gabriel, he, I must congratulate him when I get the glory, because he handles the breaking of the news very well with Mary. Before breaking the news, he's already mentioned twice how God feels about Mary. Um, in verse 28, it says, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Favored. You're favored by God, Mary. You're favored by God. And verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You know, whatever lies ahead, 
of Mary, it's important for her to remember that God has favored her, that God is there to support her. And if you have that assurance in your life, you can step out into 2023. You can step out into the future knowing that God has your back. That's a great assurance. You know, if Mary agrees to God's plan, she knows that she will have to face the juicy gossip which will undoubtedly be happening in Nazareth. It'll be really tough for her. So Mary, in light of what lies ahead of you, the tough times for you and Joseph, what's your decision? Are you going to go through with this? Are you going to agree with God to this? And she replies, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. In other words, Mary puts herself in that place before God of complete and utter surrender. You know, I may not understand it, but God, I'm going to trust you for it. And there are times in our lives when we don't understand what God is doing. And sometimes there are no easy answers to what we're going through. We, and we can either fight angrily with him or we can trust him. But it's only in the latter, it's only in that place of complete surrender and trust that even in the greatest of storms, we find a peace because in that place of surrender. Job, as you know, Job is renowned for the, the difficult times that he went through in losing his children and losing his, his cattle and his, his, his servants, uh, losing his house, or no, uh, yeah, losing everything. And he, he just, he finds it very difficult to find God in those times. Yet he resolves himself to this truth. As he sits in the mud and looks up to God, he says, but he knows the way that I take. He knows. I can't see him. I don't know what God is doing. I have no answers. I haven't been able to find what God is doing in my situation. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to resolve myself and discipline my heart to surrender and say, God, I don't understand this, but I trust you. And it's a very hard thing to do at times. Very hard thing. And Mary's the same. Lord, I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you in it. I'm going to trust it. Let it be to me according to your word. You know, God, through his son, through the potential birth of his son, and Jesus hasn't been physically born yet, but already the effect of a potential son has brought Mary and God much closer. Already God has become more approachable to Mary. And as you know, indeed, it's through Jesus Christ that God becomes more approachable to us. So approachable that we can trust him as Savior. When we trust him as Savior and Lord, we call him Father. Like I read earlier, he who receives the Son of God becomes a child of God. You know, religion doesn't do that for you. Only a relationship with Christ does that for you. 
But we all at times wear masks. Don't we? I don't mean physical masks due to COVID. I mean we put on a front at times. You know, we want to make a good impression. We want others to see us differently. We don't want others to see the real us because we're worried they may not like the real me. And so I might lose my friends. I may not lose my friends, but I might. So I'll keep this mask on just because it's a risk. I don't want others to see what I'm really like. And if you forget everything else this morning, I want you to get this, that God loves you with your mask off. He loves you as you are with your mask off. You know, if others knew what you were really like, you, you may lose your friends, but God is the best friend you can ever find with an unconditional love for each of you. You know, in Romans 5, verse 8, Paul writes, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, God saw us at our worst and loved us. You know, he's not waiting for us all to get cleaned up and have our lives sorted out before he loves us. While we were still sinners, God loved us. Christ died for us. His love for us is and forever will be unfailing. You know, it's important for Mary to know God's favor on her life for the days that lie ahead. And it's important also that we know God's favor in our lives for the days ahead. God loves you with your mask off. You know, it's important that we don't live our lives merely from a human perspective. That is so important. But that we also gain an insight into how, how heaven sees a situation. Life could be very depressing and lacking in hope. You know, if we merely live on the horizontal plane and we're just going, well, this is our lot and we're stuck with it and we've nothing from above having any input in our lives or any influence in our lives. This is our lot. I'm on this conveyor belt, I'm born, I go along, I die, and what I get in between, just this is my lot, sort of smells of hopelessness. As I've said, it's not always possible to know what God's perspective is. Like with Mary and with Job, you have to just trust him at times. But the Word of God gives us some insight into who God is, into his character, into how he thinks, into how he works. It helps us gain a little heaven perspective, and that's important. Now, what's heaven's perspective on the birth of Jesus? You know, human perspective, he's in a stable. There weren't any rooms. They're away from home, four days walk. Looks like a disaster, doesn't it? But it's what God had planned. But what's the heaven's perspective? 
You know, Isaiah prophesies many years before, speaks the words of God when he tells us about the child who's to be born in Bethlehem. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful. His name will be called Counselor. His name will be called Mighty God. His name will be called Everlasting Father. That's heaven's perspective. That's quite a list of titles. And that's heaven's perspective right there. Heaven's so excited. I don't think heaven had ever been so excited. God coming to earth, and Mary will hold him in her arms, and she'll clothe him, and she'll feed him, and she'll help him to walk, and she'll celebrate his birthdays with him, and she'll pray with him, and she'll teach him to recite the Psalms, and she'll teach him to speak Aramaic and Hebrew. But most of all, he will reconnect God with man. It'll be amazing. Yet it'll be humanly tough, tough on Mary, tough on Joseph, and eventually emotionally tough on every disciple and every person that's ever loved him and cared for him when they see him hanging on the cross. You know, humanly speaking, this is a difficult situation for Mary. She thinks about what's ahead, worries and insecurities flood her mind about her potential marriage to Joseph, about how her family's going to react, about what the neighbors are going to say. But she comes to that place of surrender and trust, total obedience, a place of inner peace. Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. Mary continues to live her life, as we all do, with a human perspective, but with a, a sprinkling of heavenly perspective to remind her that there's something very special about her child. She needs, as we all do, some of heaven's perspective. You know, her son starts his life in a stable, a cow trough as his bed. It's not exactly built for a king. And then when he reads the scriptures in the synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown, the very neighbors want to stone him. And Mary's watching all this. Not exactly celebrity status. Or when he, she sees him all beaten and bruised after a run-in with the Roman guards, doesn't quite fit the picture of mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But she needs to tuck in the back of her mind the perspective God has given to her. As she sees her son hanging on the cross, she needs to be reminded that the sights, sounds, the smells, the touches, the tastes of that day are not a totality of what's going on. Something else is going on. Amidst the darkness and amidst her pain, there's God's handiwork going on. God's salvation plan is coming into place. You know, what, Mary, what faith Mary needed on a day-to-day -day basis to be the mother God had called her to be. And we're called to live by faith on a day-to-day -day basis and to tuck in the back of our minds experiences that we've had with God, passages that we've read that have meant something really personal and meaningful to us to tuck them away in the back of our memories that we may use them in days that are difficult, in days that are stormy. 
Christ calls us out. He calls us out to have a living, active faith, to trust him in those darkest days. He calls us out to have an adventurous and ambitious faith. You know, there's no point in God giving us faith if we keep it locked away somewhere in a safe and only bring it out when we don't have anything else to offer, when all the plans of ours have fallen apart. You know, Jesus speaks of a mustard seed faith. The smallest amount is ample. The smallest amount of your faith is ample in a massive, powerful, loving God. Tim Hughes, uh, he wrote a song called Pocket Full of Faith. Um, I'm challenged most by the first verse in that song. I don't want to get there at the end of it all, looking behind me to see that there's so much more. I don't want to get to the end of it all, looking behind me to see that there's so much more. In other words, I don't want to get to the end of my life and have regrets. I don't want to get to the end of my life and see that I could have had so much more if I'd only trusted him more, if I'd only stepped out in faith more. I could have had so much more with, of God in my life and in my experience if only I'd trusted him more. In the song, he cries, I take this pocket full of faith. It's not much. It's take this pocket full of faith. It's all I have today. I'm giving it all. I'm giving it all. We're called to live by faith on a day-to-day -day basis. And Mary, throughout Jesus' life, captures little snapshots of God's perspective. She stores them away in her heart, his miracles, his teachings. Moments stored away to sustain her, to give her that pocket full of faith in the dark days ahead. And it's important that we do that also. May I just, in closing, may I ask you something? Do you have a merely human perspective? That's not a condemnation thing. I'm just asking you out of compassion and love for you. Do you have a merely a human perspective? Is it your belief that when tragedy hits apart from your family around you, you're on your own? No higher power there to help support or comfort you? Please, I ask you, please, don't live such a lonely life without God. Ask Christ into your life and he'll gladly come to you. Or are you like the man who, longing for his son to be healed, cries out to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. I'm perfect. I, I, to be honest, I don't think there's any Christian who could honestly say that they haven't been at that point where they're going through difficult times and they're going, God, I don't have much faith. I don't even have a pocket full of faith. It is more like a mustard seed. Help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. It's important. Give me a, give me a pocket full of faith, Lord. Give me a sprinkling of heaven's perspective. I believe, help my unbelief. And you know, just before Gabriel leaves, Mary, just before he leaves, Mary, he says, by the way, Elizabeth, uh, by the way, Mary, Elizabeth is, is pregnant. She's six months. She'll be having a child in three months. What? She's been barren all her life. What? This is amazing. You see, Mary, with God, nothing will be impossible. Let's pray. Father, we just, we thank you for your son. 
And Lord, we do learn from Scripture. And we learn from your word. We learn from reflecting on your word. But Lord, your word throughout the pages, they point us to the living word, Jesus. And it's in that relationship with him that we find comfort, that we find peace in the storms, that we find strength, that we find encouragement, that we find motivation to keep going when the days are tough. And we thank you that you stick closer to us than a brother and that whatever is ahead. Good times, yes, many good times, but in the bad times also, you are there. You are faithful, and we thank you for that. Amen. We're just going to, we're going to finish with, uh, I came across a, we got a, a Christmas CD about cast, casting crowns, and uh, we're going to just sit and, and reflect um, it's about the story of Christmas. Make room is the name of the song. <laughs>